Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about the children that we have that don't seem to understand their own emotions and don't seem to understand the emotions of other people. And I'm just going to just at the very beginning uh, say sometimes this inability to react or respond appropriately to emotions is in itself a trauma response. So I'm just putting that out there. And then I'm going to kind of curve over now, now that we know that that's out there, and say, I'm going to talk about those kids that we have that don't seem to be able to understand their own emotions or the emotions of other people, where you're sitting there thinking, hey, I am expressing this emotion to you, and you're not picking up what I'm putting down. You're not getting it. So there is a diagnosis out there that when I came across it, it just opened my eyes because I have multiple people in my home that I have diagnosed, me and my just being a mom, have diagnosed with this and it is called alexithymia and it is an inability to recognize or describe one's own emotions So alexithymia has been linked to depression. It's been linked to suicidal behavior. And what it is, you can go to some sites and they will say that it has to do with how people feel emotions. But what it is really trying to express is um, that they have no way to describe their emotions. Everybody's feeling stuff, but they can't compartmentalize it into that piece that's like, oh, this feeling belongs in this category, and then I can verbally tell you what I'm feeling. So when you're dealing with somebody who has fetal alcohol syndrome or, or any kind of developmental delay, this can be a huge thing. This is a really big thing in autism. When they can't understand their own feelings, And this is, I think, why they do problems feeling because some kids don't feel certain emotions, but they can also have, they have no idea how to translate that over into words to tell you how they're feeling. Like they can't label each piece. So another way that they kind of express this is they say that the wrong emotions happen at the wrong times for people. So say you'll be sitting there and everyone's super happy and you're like, I'm just not that happy, you know, and you're, you're not really meshing with the whole area. There are some people that when they walk into a room, they like soak up the feeling of the room, whether it's positive or whether it's sad. And then they kind of wear that. These are kind of like the opposite people of that. So I have, like I said, I think a few of these people in my family. (laughs) And I would say I'm more of the person who is who I have a very capable way of saying I feel this way and trying to get people to understand the way that I feel. So it, it talks too about how it does appear that these kids and these adults even are apathetic, where they're not really you know, relating to what's going on around them, but it isn't really how they're processing. So one of the things I have done, and I'm proud of myself for this. And now there are some things I've done as a parent that I'm like, uh, (laughs) I'm not going to pat myself on the back for. But this one, I'm proud of me because any of my kids when they were born, I took it upon myself to 
teach them what they were feeling. And I know in this day and age, people will probably freak out that I have tried to instruct my children about it. But I wanted them to know what they were feeling. I wanted them to know there was a word that was associated with what they were feeling. So when my kid is like 10 months old and they're freaking out because their little straw won't go in the straw hole like they really want it to. And that's a little advanced for 10 months old. But let's say the star doesn't go in the square hole in the toy that they have. And they're getting frustrated. So I would look at them and say, Oh, are you frustrated? You're frustrated. So they could associate the feelings that they're having with a word. And then they can then turn to me later and say, I'm frustrated, you know, I mean, many months later, but they could, they could eventually learn that there's a label to the feelings that they're having. And once they can learn there's a label to those feelings, then they can also understand what other people are feeling when they say those emotions. Now, these people aren't incredibly empathetic. You won't find a lot of empathy in these kind of people because an attribute of empathy is that you can put yourself in other people's shoes. Well, this, uh, they can't, this is, they can't find empathy in that way. They can't put themselves in your shoe, in their, in your shoes. So you want to make sure that you are identifying your emotions to them as well. I'm frustrated. This causes me frustration. I'm sad. And you want to be as specific as possible without being an age appropriate. So if it's a 10 month old, I mean, you're working with a vocabulary of like five words. If you are talking to a 14 year old, you can probably have 30 or 40 if you really, 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 really wanted to. I don't think I can think of 40 emotions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you can you can add to the complexity as time goes on. However, if you are introducing yourself to somebody and they are, say, 13 years old and they have alexithymia and they don't understand emotions, then you're going to have to teach it to them as if they were a, a baby. You're going to have to start with the very basics. Start with the five. Happy, sad, frustrated, mad, or, you know, all of the basics. And then you can help them build up to learning the labels that go with their emotions and to be able to put that together for them. So when they were little, I would say stuff like, do you feel angry or just frustrated? Now, this is, of course, older than baby. And this helps me give them the tools to divide anger from frustration because you want to have a lot of areas that you've divided into so that you can you know, process the things that are in your life. So if I am frustrated, and I have impatience, because I'm frustrated, I can now say to my children, I'm not mad, I'm frustrated. Because then they can know, oh, mom's not mad at me, she's just frustrated about the situation. And you can have different ways that they can process any kind of given interaction, or conversation, or communication in any way. So I would also say, are you mad? Or are you furious? Like, are you really mad? Are you furious? And they would be able to differentiate between Yeah, I'm mad. And I am so mad. 
And so when I had my daughter who has reactive attachment disorder, as well as other, other things going on, and she could not connect these things. And I have, again, other people in my home who have this as well, where I could say, here's what you might be feeling. Here's the parameters of that feeling. And they could then understand more themselves. So you could teach these children and you can use paper if necessary, the different emotions. There are some printouts out there somewhere that talk about like the emotional range and like a scale or like some of them are a spectrum of emotions. And you can use any of these printouts to help you explain to your children how they are feeling. One of the things they do in my child's special ed class is they have a picture on the wall that has all of the little characters from inside out on it. Maybe that's at a regular therapy office. And so she can go and point to the character that corresponds with from inside out. So anger looks like anger and sadness looks like sadness and, and all of those things. So she, you can use paper and images for, you know, little kids or up to big kids. And you can use different ways other than talking because sometimes talking isn't going to connect the dots as fast as if you add something else. But the thing is, is you have to use these skills yourself. If this is an area that you are not good at, you're going to have to become skilled in this area. And it's going to be hard. You're an adult and you're going to have to say, this is a weakness that I have. My child needs help with this. And you can even say to your child, depending on the age, let's learn this together because neither of us get this. We're not good at it because this is a critical aspect of having a child, especially a traumatized child, be able to process through their feelings. But any child needs to process through their feelings. And you, if you have this as a difficult part in your life, you might have made it. And that's great. And I'm so glad. But I wouldn't recommend that as an ideal situation. So whatever you use to skirt by, you cannot do that now. I have something in my notes that I just absolutely wrote wrong where there's a case study in one of the books that I read. And for some reason, I don't know if it was autocorrect, but my notes are really bad <laughs> about what book it was. But it was on reactive attachment dis- disorder. And there was a case study done with a, with a man named Jorge. And it says in this book that kids without the ability to identify and express their own emotions are more likely to become depressed and more likely to attempt suicide. And if you just Google alexithymia, that is what they will tell you. They will like if the very first result that popped up when I just Googled it is alexithymia is when a person has difficulty experiencing, identifying and expressing emotions. And then it goes on to talk about the higher chances of depression and attempted suicide. So this means that even without, you know, suicide factored in, the inability to understand your own emotions and to express your own emotions takes a mental toll. There's a freedom inside when you are able to to announce to the world your, your feelings or to let go of them internally. And these kids are already so mentally taxed 
beyond their ability to control. So helping them understand their emotions and with the parameters of their emotions and the ability to express those emotions will help ease that burden. So I would give it three years before I would think that there was no hope. And that seems like a really long time. But if you think of it, a baby doesn't really learn any of these things for at least three years. And so the older these children are, the more they'll be able to pick up and they'll be able to pick it up faster than a baby. But there is a time frame along with it because the older kids have experiences that the younger kids don't have. And so they're having to process more information. With a lot of reactive attachment disorder kids that I have known, which admittedly isn't many, so I will shove it down to my own and say I had to be scholastic. I had to be specific and detailed with these kids. I couldn't I couldn't speak to her in feelings. I had to speak to her in logic and I had to teach her consequence and I had to teach her all of those things. Um, from the ground up, but they are developmentally behind in all of the areas that are not easy to see. They are just so behind. And you as a primary caregiver will be the one of the only people who sees these limitations. So they are not easily measurable. And how you measure what age a child understands that, it's going to take a lot of observation and a lot of you know, being there and connecting back to previous children. And that's not something that absolutely every caregiver can do. If you have your child in with a teacher who has 30 kids in the class, and then you send them to a babysitter that has, you know, them for two or three hours, know that things might get missed because of the situation. But you can include these people in as well. So don't forget that that's a possibility. Don't feel hopeless there are, there are avenues to make this work. So when you're talking about kids that have trauma, and they've been abandoned or hurt in a major way, there are sometimes, especially with reactive attachment disorder kids that they don't believe you're going to come back. So to protect themselves from pain, they sometimes will retreat into that trauma. And that trauma can make them have the dull affect That means that they're not really responsive and they're not really connecting and they're not really expressing their emotion and they're not even really sometimes feeling that emotion. And that can be a difficult layer because you want to teach them all these things, but then you also have this corresponding stream of, but my kid is so depressed and my kid is so sad that they're not even in a place where they can even process the emotions if I told them about it. But I'm going to say, keep trying, because that in and of itself is an emotion. And to teach them about that will help them understand their current situation and be able to, to just instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, there's nothing. This is just nothing. There is nothing. They can say, oh, I'm feeling this way. This is one of those emotions that are had. And then explain that there are parameters and there are reasons and there are things that make us be in emotion sometimes and that there are other emotions that are available to us at other times. Because it can, I remember even me raising 
my difficult child. And when we were in our hardest times that were insanely hard to me, where we're just going and going every day, you wake up every day, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And you're just like, (gasps) and I remember just going numb. I was so numb. And I hear people talk about that. And I am a pretty non-numb person. My feelings are on the surface. I can, I, they bubble up. I have not ever experienced a prolonged period of time where I have felt dead, just nothing. And I think a lot of these kids who've gone through trauma sit there. And so you're trying to interact with them, but they've already shut off portions of their brain to protect themselves. And they don't even know that those portions are even there sometimes. And many of these kids who respond in a negative way to people who are trying to show love or people who are trying to give boundaries, that they often have a very, very immature way of processing. And I don't mean like, oh, they're a teenager, they're immature. I mean, like, they process like a preschooler, like a toddler. So how many of us, you know, when we were, I don't know, I can think of my own experience when I'm in like kindergarten, and you have a crush on somebody, and then they say that they don't like you. And you're like, well, I don't like them either. They're so stupid and you're hurt. So you respond too much to the situation. And you're like, they walk funny and they they don't say the word broccoli, right? Yeah, you know, and you, you have this really immature way of dealing with the pain that you've had. A lot of these kids, whether it's from, you know, neglect or drugs or alcohol or um, just an inability to have have that portion of their brain form correctly. A lot of these kids are just really immature in their processing. So by giving them tools, skills, education on different types of feelings and what they're there for and how they're using them and when they express certain emotions, trying to figure out what they're tied to, then these kids can grow in their maturity when it comes to their emotions. Now, I don't mean a regulation. I just mean understanding at this point. Emotional regulation and emotional understanding, I feel like are two different games. (laughs) That emotional regulation game is a difficult game. And I dare say, especially in our situation, that it is much harder than teaching her what each of these emotions is, and the kind of parameters of that emotion. And I think a lot of these kids do have the ability to backtrack and think back. And not every kid's going to be able to because goodness gracious, every kid has a different thing about them. Your kid is going to be different than my kid. And your kid's going to be different than the kid down the street. And, and even though their situations are fairly similar, there's going to be some major differences. But I think as a general rule, a lot of these kids, when they've had their outbursts, when they've had whatever they've done, you can sit them down 
and you can talk to them about it and they can revert back. And don't, don't, don't think, especially if this is new, that you are going to get a lot of progress quickly. This is a long, long process. And when you look at these kids, whether they're 15, whether they're 12, whether they're eight, and they are not aware of their feelings, and they are not aware of emotions, and how to label those and, and put them in order in a way in their brain that makes sense. When you are talking to them, you need to know you are talking to that six month old kid. Because they're portion of their brain is only understanding at a six month old level. And so you're having to introduce it. And that, of course, doesn't mean that you are condescendingly talking to them like you would a six month old. But it does mean that your expectations need to be in line with that as if they were a six month old child. And that can be really hard because you're staring at this (laughs) this child who is a completely different age, they should be able to understand these concepts, and they're not understanding them. And then especially if they are 16, and you're saying, hey, they're 16, they're going to be moving on their adult life at 18. And it takes you say three years. And sometimes when they're old, and they're stubborn, it takes even longer. But the more progress that you can make in that time, the better that child is going to have in their adult life. Because it's really easy when you are in a situation where you have a hard kid that you're like, hey, here's where it impacts me. Here's, you know, once they move out, then I, you know, I have no control over this situation. And then, and then it doesn't help our relationship. You might not have a relationship with your hard kid because they're a hard kid, but I know you just because you're a parent. I know that there is a very good chance you still want what is best for this child. So even if you've adopted this child at 16, and you know, it's going to take at least three years, take the two years, take them, use them, do what you can. And you will have done your best even if it doesn't turn out well. And for me, this was a fun one. This was a fun one to kind of watch them learn who they were. And I, even though I did this with some of my older children, I noticed that that this is a harder thing for some people. If you have alexithymia, you might never reach the point that you are really understanding your own emotions and that you are really understanding that other people have the same kind of emotions. That might be just a little bit farther But having taken the time to educate your child or um, even yourself about this is going to still move you a little bit farther into a direction that is going to have more successful communication than if you didn't try it all. I really recommend looking up alexithymia. It is spelled E-L-E-X-I-T-H-Y-M-I-A. And looking into it, if this sounds like something that is fitting what your child is expressing. Well, as always, I wish you all the best. I wish you all the luck in the world and good luck with being the parent of a difficult kid. Thanks for joining me.